When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to The World in 10, the Times of London's unique take on world events every day. I'm Alex Dibble. And I'm Sonal Patel. We've got analysis on this huge report on global warming, what it means and what could happen as a result of it. A warning from Salman Rushdie, the author, on the danger of censorship, cancel culture in the West. And you've heard of Lord of the Flies. We'll introduce you to the Lord of the Penguins. We're going to start with an update on this story, though, because last week the US ambassador to South Africa briefed reporters and said, claimed, that South Africa was secretly arming Russia in its war with Ukraine, which created this huge diplomatic storm, didn't it? Yeah, and the South African president, Cyril Ramaphosa, um, it was caught off guard and he was asked about this in Parliament. The matter is being looked into and uh, in time. In time, we'll be able to speak about it. And then on Monday, he went a little bit further with this um, and claimed his government was not taking sides. He says South Africa has not and will not be drawn into a contest between global powers. Now, though, things have changed again because the head of South Africa's army has visited Moscow. The person who's been covering this for The Times is Jane Flanagan, uh, the Africa correspondent. And Jane uh, joins us on the podcast now. Jane, thank you for your time uh, on The World in 10. What do you think could be the fallout from this, this visit to Moscow by the army chief? I think what the consequences are, um, you know, South Africa, uh, its second biggest trading partner is America. South Africa does benefit from preferential trade arrangements that really it, sh- it shouldn't get because it's a middle-income country. That arrangement is uh, will come up for renewal in 2025, and it would be a huge loss to South Africa if it was cut out of that particular deal. And that is a real consequence that, um, you know, economists really worry about. Mm. And aside from the historical links between South Africa and Russia, we know that there was Russian involvement in the anti-apartheid movement and some training uh, of people in South Africa that went on in the Soviet Union. Um, Aside from that, what does South Africa stand to gain now, or the government of South Africa stand to gain now, from being connected to Russia? We do know that there is some funding from Russian figures that come to the ANC, which is preparing for uh, its most difficult elections since 1994. So 
Um, certainly whether uh, relations between uh, Moscow and Pretoria are formal or informal, there is plenty of evidence of, of lingering and entrenched connections. Now to an issue, I think it's fair to say, that is on a lot of people's minds, um, climate change. And on the Times website today is a big report on our failure, collectively a global failure, to keep temperatures down. Now, back in 2015, around 200 countries signed up to the Paris Agreement to stop global temperatures going up by more than one and a half degrees. Now, this report says that's failed. Yeah, um, one and a half degrees, as we know, doesn't sound like much, but across the world, it is incredibly significant. It could mean and would mean uh, more extreme weather, more floods, more heat waves, more droughts. The Times environment editor, Adam Vaughan, says the key question now is just how long it stays above one and a half degrees. Generally speaking, scientists and policymakers have interpreted the Paris Agreement's temperature goals as being if we breach 1.5 for two decades. So what we found out this week is that we're likely to breach it for at least a year. Is there anything that's going to be put in place or anything that will happen to kind of stem this increase in temperature or will things carry on as normal? In terms of you know what happens now, I mean, it's not like all governments are going to you know wake up tomorrow and put in place kind of wartime like plans on climate change. But I think a good reference point is probably to look back to 2018 when the IPCC, the Climate Change Science Panel, had a big report out about 1.5 degrees. It sort of got framed wrongly or rightly as sort of being 12 years to save the world. And this sort of spark was one of the sparks behind a lot of the global protest movements we've seen on such as Fridays for the Future and Extinction Rebellion. So there was a lot of street protests and they did actually stem from that report in, in, in large part. So I would be interested to see whether this sort of motivates people, you know, motivates social movements, protests and so on. I would be interested. And that's obviously the thing that then might put more pressure on governments to act. And if you're interested in finding out more, take out a subscription and head to the Times website or app and read more on Adam's expert take on this new report. Yeah, and the Times article includes some really helpful graphics in terms of the temperature rises over the last few years and also what the difference is between 1.5 degrees and 2 degrees. Really helpful stuff. Salman Rushdie has criticised, heavily criticised, uh, publishers for re-editing books um, and in particular to make them sort of more palatable for a younger generation. And he's highlighted the works by writers like Roald Dahl, who wrote books like Matilda and BFG, all the classics, and of course Ian Fleming of Bond fame, as uh, writers who've been affected. And he says the idea of making Bond uh, politically correct is frankly comical. He says books have to come to us from their time and be of their time. If that's difficult to take, don't read them. Yeah, he was speaking as he received an award at the British Book Awards and he decided to take the opportunity to include a pretty serious warning. He said in his lifetime, freedom of expression and indeed freedom to publish have never been under threat in the West as they are today. Now, I mean, sitting here in in the United States, I have to look at the extraordinary attack on libraries and books for children in schools, 
the attack on the idea of libraries themselves. It's, it's, uh, it's quite remarkably alarming, and we need to be very aware of it and to fight against it very hard. Come down to the 11th floor to talk to Gemma Fox from Foreign Desk. Gemma, what's coming up? We have a piece coming up on Ukraine's chief of their military intelligence admitting, it seems, for the first time that Russian propagandists are being assassinated. Previously, in the cases of Dugina and Tatarsky, they had denied it. Um, the US had raised suspicion, but I'm sure it will cause some headaches in Kyiv. And also in Russia, we have a fun story about a couple who moved to the country in 2016 and renamed their child Putin. But apparently they now have had a change of heart and are desperately trying to change his name back. Now to everyone's favourite animal. Okay, mine. The dulcet sounds of penguins, if you hadn't guessed already, which, uh, yeah, it would be hard, wouldn't it? It would be. Uh, they're, they're difficult to distinguish <laughs> from some other animals, but maybe dolphins sound similar. Um, <laughs> but the man who's credited with saving millions of penguins, indeed, is Dr. Pablo Borboroglu, who has just won the Indianapolis Prize, which is the world's leading conservation award. Yeah, big, big prize. Pablo or Penguin Protector, also known as Penguin Lawyer, Pappy even. His credentials are immense. Told Times Radio, penguins are his passion, if you haven't guessed already. I've been working on penguins for all my life, I would say. I mean, since I was 20, so it's been 34 years working on science, on protection of habitat and education. Right now, in a couple of months, there, there will be a movie that we just finished and they, they name it The Lord of the Penguins. So the movie was filmed in Patagonia and in New Zealand. That's just about it for The World in 10 today. Before we go, uh, we've just got time to point you in the direction of an article on Time's sports section, which is an interview with the Polish golfer Adrian Moronk, who's going to be teeing off at the US PGA Championship starting on Thursday. Um, Son, I'll have a guess. When he was born in Mm -hmm. 1993 in Poland, Mm -hmm. how many 18-hole golf courses do you think there were in his country? Um, I'd say uh, about 20. Everyone loves golf. (laughs) Well, how about this? There were three. No. In the whole of Poland. And yet, he will tee off um, at the USPGA and he's got Ryder Cup hopes. So, uh, yeah, good article, good interview. Uh, Do read that on the Times app. Where there is also a rolling coverage of what happened with Harry and Meghan, this car chase that, as we record, uh, we're just finding out more about um, all the information. The Times writers will be finding out exactly what happened and uh, all the information will be on the article there. Uh, That's it for today, isn't it, Sonal? Yeah, that's it from us. We'll be back tomorrow. 